0: Hey, happy Tuesday, and welcome back to Season 3 of the Coaching Minds Podcast, Tools for Greatness. As you know, this season will be coming to you each week with a tool that you can use to be greater, whether that's in competition, at work, at home, any area of your life. This is the first of two-part series that we'll be doing on mindfulness.
1: This season is sponsored by Pro-X. Pro-X is the premier multi-sport training destination in the Midwest that hosts Sports Performance sports rehab and physical therapy as well as sports specific instruction programming for baseball softball football golf and more pro x puts everything an athlete needs under one roof just like the pros the focus at pro x is maximizing the development and potential of every athlete in all areas while keeping health at the forefront for more information check out proxathlete.com Welcome to the Coaching Minds podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts Ben
0: and C Mindfulness is this buzzword that's being thrown around a lot here lately. Uh, explain, explain to us, kind of simplify. What is mindfulness, and why why is it important to have this as a topic on our podcast?
1: So we're. I think I think the and I don't I don't really actually know this. I didn't know you could ask me this question, but I think that people started getting away from the word meditation because that had some other religious things to it um and that that was specific to some some eastern religions um whereas mindfulness isn't doesn't have anything to do with any type of religion it's literally just paying attention to and bringing kind of bringing awareness to like what we do in the the first phase of the focus cycle bringing awareness to what's going on with our mind and with our body. If you're one of those people that's like, yeah, right, this is, this is hokey. This doesn't actually do anything. And you want to know about the science behind what this actually does to your brain and how it changes the structure of your brain. a book that we're going to be referencing multiple times, this episode and next episode uh, by Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson is called Altered Traits. And it's science reveals how meditation changes your mind, brain, and body. And it's interesting, you know, it hasn't always been sort of socially acceptable in the realm of athletics, but last year, Jonathan Taylor had a spot on college game day where they interviewed him and he was doing some hot yoga mixed with some meditation, mindfulness type practice, and it just talking about how that changed his ability to process things on the field and and deal with adversity and things like that. And so we're going to we're going to kind of go through what is the science behind mindfulness? How do we know it works? What does it actually do? And then how can we do that? And so we're going to split that up into uh into two parts.
0: I think it's super important to have uh the knowledge behind it. I know when I was in high school uh 15 years ago, we had A coach before we got, I could see it to this day um, where we were pulling up to on the bus. And he's like, All right, we're going to do some visualization and and imagine what's going on. And uh, like you said, this hokey stuff. It's like, this is what, like, what, like when I was four, I had imaginary friends. Like, why am I doing this now? (laughs) Uh, And we didn't buy into it at all. Yeah. And, but uh, so I think it's important to have this information so that you can back it up when you want to get your team to go or when you're hearing this to know this is legit stuff that will help you.
1: I love that. It's not, I had an imaginary friend when I was four years old, right? Like what, how's this different? Why is this? What's different about this?
0: Well, let's hop into here. Here's a quick excerpt from chapter one the lab work on neurotransmitters filtered into the general culture as a scientific pretext for obtaining altered states through drugs like LSD. All right, so I'll stop you
1: right there. The the problem was when they started studying the effects of mindfulness And what it did to your brain and getting into altered states. They were also studying things like LSD at the time. And so it kind of got a negative taste and, and rightfully so. You know, there, there were some things, some studies that were done that were, that were extremely controversial and rightfully so. And unfortunately, some of that, some of those negative ideas and negative feelings are just left over from bygone days. Um, but it, it is important to know they're two completely separate things.
0: So the authors of this book tried to put together all their their data to uh, generate just something to prove or have some really strong evidence yeah. that influenced, you know, the 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 content behind all this, but struggle to do so.
1: And kind of the, kind of the proof behind it. So they, they had been doing meditation themselves and they had seen firsthand, this is changing how I perceive things. It's changing my mind and body. But, you know, but like you said, they just didn't quite have the data behind it to prove in a scientific world, look, this is legit. And this works to people who were on the outside that were, you know, still kind of hung up on the whole, well, this is a little hokey. Prove it. And the the big change that they talk about in the book the the first one was in the mid eighties. Um, there was a gentleman Bruce McOwen from the Rockefeller University who used tree shrews. Do you, do you know what a tree shrew? The old shrew, tree
0: shrew. Yeah, I love that little critter. Uh,
1: do you know what? Do you have any idea what a tree shrew is? Not in the least. Okay, I didn't either. Uh, I believe rodent or mouse like creature. I, I
0: envision a long, skinny nose that just digs through <laughs> the bark. And
1: and so what they did was they they took these rodents and they took a, a rodent that was one lower in the pecking order and put it in the same cage as the one that was one higher. And so basically they were stuck together 24 seven for a month. And I mean, imagine The one person who maybe gets on your nerves a little bit that you don't want to be around, if you were with them 24-7 for a month, what would that do to your brain?
0: Well, I feel like you just described quarantine here the last couple of months. Right. Um, And that could, in that instance, could just drive you absolutely crazy because that's the person that grinds your gears the most. And if it's 24-7, probably not good results. And so
1: not good, not good results at all. Uh, the, the dendrites shrank in the hippocampus, which is basically just a a way of saying the part of the brain that was responsible for memories actually changed the structure of the brain changed. And so this was kind of the first time that we saw that stressful events can leave what they called in the book, lingering neural scars. And I, and I want to remember that because we're going to come back to lingering neural scars. What, what scars are in your brain? What, what past events are you allowing to kind of damage your brain and change your brain and change the structure of your brain moving forward? And then there was a, there was another study done at a similar time by Marion Diamond at the University of California, Berkeley, except this was a complete opposite. What if you were if you were a tree shrew? What would be your ideal uh, environment?
0: Well, I imagine probably in like a sequoia, way up there high, so I could see above. I mean,
1: like if you were in a lab, what what would the what would your cage oh. look
0: like? <laughs> uh, you know, if I was stuck in a lab as this little shrew, I would love some nice leafy greens around me, a nice little nest with just little bitty sticks uh, to make my long snout just feel nice at home.
1: I, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that comment, but they, they described it in the book as a rodent health resort. There were toys. There were things to, cl- there were things to climb on, maybe sticks, if you will, uh, colorful walls. There were playmates. There were new spaces to explore. And what they saw was that there was also change in those rodents' brains. And more specifically, the the thickness of the dendrite branches changed. Th- those are the things that connect the neurons in your brain. There were There was growth in different areas like the prefrontal cortex. And so here we are in the mid 80s and we're seeing your brain can change. And so this is where neuroplasticity comes in. And and what neuroplasticity does, it basically shows that repeated experiences can change the brain. And that can happen both positively and it can happen negatively. So, like the example that they give kind of on the positive side in the book is people that are born deaf have better peripheral vision. So if you take your hand, put it straight out in front of you, like this, and now move like point your finger up toward the sky and now move your finger over to the right and keep going. Keep going, keep going. Right about there, mine disappears. If I wiggle my finger, I can no longer see it. It's out of my peripheral vision. And what they said was that people that are born deaf can actually still see that and can recognize that and their brain can process that. Why? Because the part of, parts of the brain that are usually responsible for processing audio information have been recruited by the part that takes in visual information and has basically replaced it. And so, again, that word neuroplasticity.
0: So, your example there, we're seeing the positive effects of the change in our brain. We hear all the time our brains are malleable and they can be changed. So, if this happens in the positive, it has to then also be the same result um, negatively. Is that right?
1: I believe you said malleable, like we could hit it with a mallet. I think you were going for malleable, like it can be molded.
0: Oh, malletable. It still is change. Is that not correct?
1: Who's <laughs> changing it with a mallet? Yes, a- absolutely. It can go in, in a negative direction also. And that's where we see PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And in that case, the amygdala, which is kind of, the, kind of the, the part of your brain that's looking out for, is this a threat? Overwhelming trauma can basically hijack your amygdala's threshold for that fight-or-flight response. And so people that are suffering from PTSD have an overactive amygdala, which is basically just going to turn everyday ordinary situations into a life-threatening emergency and they're always in panic mode, or they're always in fight or flight mode, and they just can't turn it off. Why? Because the structure of their brain has been changed by events. And so, so then the question is, well, if, if our brains can change for the worse, or our brains can change for the better, how can we kind of take control of that? You know, sort of a how do we come up with a mental training plan, if you will, got an to all
0: well, this information that we've got going on and what you share with us? I imagine the answer to all of this, positive or negative, how are we going to take control of all of it? What's your What's your mental training plan? somewhere within here has to fit in with our title of mindfulness.
1: Absolutely. And so the authors started bringing in people that have been practicing meditation for most of their, if not almost their entire life. And they started looking at their brain structure and they started doing brain scans and they started doing functional MRI scans and they, they started looking at different areas of the brain and then they applied pain or they applied pressure and they looked at how does the how does someone who's doing mindfulness or practicing meditation how do they perceive the pain how do, how does all that affect their brain and things like that and that's a little bit more what we're going to get into next week what's going on in our brain is going to have a huge impact on our mind and on our body and our ability to fight off stress and our ability to tolerate pain and our ability to overcome anxiety or pressure situations or depression or things like that and so being intentional about developing our brains and kind of that the example of the the rodents who were given the area to to run and to play and explore and kind of kind of train their brain and improve the structure of their brain how can we make sure that we're also While we're preparing our body for success, while we're developing the skills and the techniques that we need to be successful, how can we also make sure that we're preparing our mind with that same intensity and intentionality? And that's what we're going to get into a little bit more next week when we talk about how specifically does the mindfulness work. But just wanted to start off today with just a quick explanation of why are we talking about this? How do we know that this works? How do we know that this isn't hokey, and, and where and where does that science come from, and what's it based on?
0: As we've had throughout the whole season, and especially last week, we hit on the importance of journaling. So we encourage you to get your notebooks out, and what's, what's the main things we can take away from today, Ben, uh, to journal down to continue to just build... Uh, build that toolbox and that all that stuff that we have to uh, um, to be greater than average.
1: Well, I think the the first part is going back to that the neuroplasticity and the the mice example. What negative neural scars are being left on your brain, and, and are you making it better or worse? And, and write down in your notebook what are the things that you're worried about that are stressing you out. That are causing you fear or anxiety or doubt or whatever. What are those negative things that you keep focusing on? And and then the the next question is, what am I going to do to move on or move past? Because one thing that we've got to make sure that we're not doing is replaying them over and over and over and over in our brain so that they keep doing even more damage. Um you know somebody like a like the golf example we talked about earlier this summer if you have a bad shot and you keep replaying that and thinking about it and going over and over and obsessing over it well now it's it's gone from one bad event to a long lasting event that instead of just a couple seconds or a couple minutes of kind of neural scarring, if you will, now you've stretched this into two holes, three holes, and you keep bringing it back up. Or how many times has somebody offended us or done something that we didn't think was right, or we didn't think was fair or hurt us. And we just keep replaying it over and over and over and over. And we just give them more power. And instead of just they hurt us, they damaged us. It was bad. Let's move forward. We keep visualizing it. We keep thinking about it. We keep doing it over and over and over inside of our mind.
0: and for some of those for some of us, this could be this could be very tough because there might be some really deep scars that have been there for a long time, but to improve and take that next step. You have to address them. It has to be addressed, and then move forward.
1: Absolutely, and and could not stress enough. If you do have some of those, if that's you, reach out and get help. Don't don't try to go through this on your own. Like I, I'm not just talking about like you screw up on on one of the holes on the golf course, or you have a bad game on the basketball court, if if there are deep damaging scars that are affecting your mind and affecting your brain, reach out and get that professional help. Let, let the, let a counselor lead you through that, or a psychologist lead you through, how can I now kind of take back control, move forward, begin that healing process. Um, but you know, for some of us, it's, it's not great, big giant wounds. It's just a little ding that, it hurt. It left a little bit of a scar. Now let's move forward.
0: Now, if you'd like some more information about the topic from today, uh, wait till next week, or listen to, or go to mentaltrainingplan.com and check us out on social media at mentaltrplan. Until next time, don't settle for average. Make your plan and put it to work.